Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 55 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 20th of March 2011, entitled God the Holy Spirit Part 17. And the Bible reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 to 16. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. We'll be looking once again this morning, Ephesians chapter 4. We'll be reading verses 11 through 16. I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's precious and holy word beginning in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ." for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. A most holy God and gracious, loving Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for the privilege to be gathered together Lord, here in this place that has been dedicated and set aside as your place to worship you, to serve you through. Father, we thank you for each one that is here today. We thank you, Lord, for the time that we have already been able to enjoy and worship in song and prayer. And now, Lord, as we look into your word, we pray, Lord, that your hand would be upon your servant, that the Spirit would take and quicken thy word and make it alive into our hearts. Lord, as you know, not just the outside, but the hearts of every individual here today, Lord, we pray that you would meet those needs as only you can. Take and use thy word, Lord, to accomplish that which you send it forth to do. May it all be done for your glory, for your honor alone. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. As we continue in our series this morning on contending for the faith, and the fundamentals of that faith that we are contending for. This morning, we're on sermon number 55, part 17 of God the Holy Spirit. And of course, we've looked at a number of things about the Holy Spirit. We reviewed those briefly last week. But at this point in time, we are looking at the gifts of the Spirit. And of course, as we have looked at these passages over uh, a number of weeks, we find that, uh, that first of all, we, we tried to define what it is that we're talking about when we speak about spiritual gifts. We looked at the distribution of those gifts, who they're given to, and how that they are uh, distributed by, uh, by God, the, uh, the Holy Spirit. Uh, we saw the reasons for their distribution as we looked there. We looked at the 
diversity of those gifts. As we look through the Scripture and, and see many of the examples of the gifts that, uh, uh, that are given there. Uh, but then we began looking here in Ephesians, not only as we looked, first of all, at those gifts that are uh, given to individual believers for the body as a whole, but we began looking here at those gifts which are given to the body as a whole for both the body and the individual believer, for God to do things in your life as a believer. Now, as we begin to look at those things, we saw that, uh, uh, first of all, that uh, God gave some apostles, and He gave some evangelists, and he, uh, he gave some prophets, and He gave some pastors. And as we have looked at these, uh, these various uh, gifts that He has given to the body, and, and so often uh, when we think of spiritual gifts, uh, we forget about these gifts that uh, are listed for us here in Ephesians. But God has given these gifts to the body for a purpose. That's what we want to look at today. Why has God given some prophets and some apostles, and why has He given some evangelists and some pastors? What are the reasons behind these gifts that have been given to the body? Well, notice He tells us there, first of all, in verse 12, He says, for the perfecting of the saints. For the perfecting of the saints. And we've looked at this word perfect and perfecting at different places in scriptures in time past. And, and of course, we said then that this perfecting implies a maturity. It really speaks of full development. The word refers to being thoroughly equipped to complete something thoroughly with nothing left undone. It also carries with it the idea of equipping or restoring something to its original condition. When we repair something or we adjust something to, to, to get it back to what it was originally before the problem came, uh, for something to be fit and complete, for that which it's designed for. In context here, we would use the word sometimes that it's talking about the building up and the sanctifying work that takes place in the Christian's lives as they are led further away from sin and closer and closer into the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. You see, perfecting of the saints, the restoring, if you would, more and more of those sinful creatures back to that sinless creature which He created in the garden before the entrance of sin ever came in. God has given these gifts, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors. He's given them to the body so that the saints, the Christians, the children of God might be more and more and more restored to their original state of sinlessness, or if you would, that they might be more and more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ as we grow 
mature in our Christian lives. How does that take place? Folks, all the programs in the world and all the intentions in the world won't do it. It happens through God's Word. That's the instrument that he uses. If you look back into the Gospel of John, and notice what he says there in chapter 15. John chapter 15, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Notice what he says in verse 3. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. And he goes on to speak about the fruit that will come forth. We find that if you look across into the Apostle Paul's letter to Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, most of us will be familiar with these words. In verse 16, he says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be, there's that word again, perfect. Then notice the, the words that follow it, truly furnished unto all good works, thoroughly furnished, complete to the Word that God has given to us. You see, God has given to us, and as we look right back, and of course we find that in the very foundation of the church when He, when he gave some apostles, we find that it was there in Acts chapter 5, that we begin to see that there was a need that arose because of the importance of the Word being preached and taught to the people. And they had to choose deacons to help in much of the service of the church so that they could give themselves to prayer and the Word of God. You see, God gave. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors but the reason for these various offices in various times is that he's given them, he says, for the perfecting of the saints, that the saints might be restored back to their original condition when they were made in the likeness of God himself, that day by day and week by week and month by month through the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God, that we might be more like the Lord Jesus Christ more like the one whose name we carry. So he's given you today these gifts for the perfecting of the saints. But notice, secondly, he says, for the work of the ministry. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. That word work doesn't go down real well sometimes with us today. <laughs> work of the ministry. You see, the simple truth is, as much as we might, you know, on the one hand, we might like to think about all this stuff, well, God's the one. You know, I, I, one of my favorite verses that I've stood on all these years is, faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. 
But folks, that doesn't mean that's because we sit back in our seats, do absolutely nothing, and God's going to do it all. God uses people. Effective ministry will require work. Yes, God is the one who will accomplish all that is done, and it's all to be done for His glory. The spiritual service is something that is required of every Christian, not just the pastor, the evangelist, the prophets, the apostles, not just the church leaders of our day today. He gave them to us for the work of the ministry. You know that those words there carry with it the idea of unto the doing of work, unto the doing of service, if you would. God uses people. I know. I'm sure some of you, as many others, get so tired hearing that preacher get up there and always try to get you to do something more, to have greater commitment, to get more involved. But guess what? That's God's purpose in giving him to you. The simple truth is you can't get around it. You know, there's a few ways you can do it. First of all, if it's God's man that's trying to challenge you to be more committed, to do more work for God, to let your life count for him, then just get rid of him. <laughs> and get somebody that's not God's man that won't bother you with those things. Or if you can talk your pastor into being disobedient and just stay away and not preach those things because God gave him to you for that purpose, but man, you get tired of hearing it. Or there's one other option. That's to listen to God's Word. Let it do a work in your heart. In other words, truly give God the service that He deserves, not what you can afford, not what is convenient for you because there's so many other things in life. Truly give God what He deserves. It's amazing. It would probably amaze you what God could and would do through you for the work of his ministry if he really had your life. You see, it's easy to say, I'm a Christian. It's easy to say, I love the Lord. You know, it's amazing. You know, a lot of people don't actually get overexcited because they get to go out and work another day to bring in the paycheck this week. Some people enjoy what they do more than others. But you know, the simple truth is, is whether you feel like doing it or whether you enjoy it or whether you don't, you go out and you do it because you need to do it. The simple truth is, it's a whole lot easier. Your boss will hold you accountable. Matter of fact, if you decide not to go in and work, you'll probably punch your clock for good. <laughs> and you know that that job may be gone. But you see, God's gracious, God's merciful, God's so patient with us. But the simple truth is, is that God has given the body gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors for the perfecting of the saints that your life might be changed. Not just that you can 
Come along and feel good about all the fellowship you have on Sunday morning. He's given them to you not only for the perfecting of the saints, but for the work of the ministry, that you might be challenged to do something for God, that it might be more than just words. It's so easy to talk to talk. But God has given these gifts to the body that the body might be challenged to the work of the ministry, that the work of the ministry might be accomplished through His church. We find that, notice He says thirdly here in this verse, for the edifying of the body of Christ. For the edifying of the body of Christ. You know, the word edifying here is actually a, an architectural word. It speaks of architecture, of, of a structure, of a building. Of course, in his context here, it's speaking of spiritual edification. The building up spiritually. The development of the body of Christ into all that it's supposed to be. The development of the body of Christ, of the church, to truly be Christ. It is the body of Christ. We toss these terms around. We use them freely. We talk about them all the time. But we grasp what they're really saying to us. The body of Jesus Christ himself. That's what this visible body here is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a picture of Jesus himself. With all of us together as the body and him as the head. He's given us these gifts that that body might be built up and developed into what God would have it to be. The architectural plan is that we, as the body of Christ, actually look and act like the body of Christ. That we actually look and act like Jesus Christ. You see, we have these spiritual gifts that our Lord has given to us. He himself has given them to us, to, to his body, the church. And he, Jesus, gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And he gave them for specific purposes, for the perfecting of the saints to thoroughly equip the saints that they might be fully developed and matured, being repaired and restored from the sinful state following the fall to the image of God in which they were created. For the work of the ministry, that the saints, not just one or two or a few, but that they join together in the body of Christ, might do the work of God by serving Him with their all. For the edifying of the body of Christ, that that body might be developed and built up to portray Jesus Christ himself to this world. When they look and they see that, not building of brick and mortar, that building, that spiritual structure of the body of Christ, that they actually see Christ and not just a bunch of religious people. You see, there is an end goal in all of this for the saints. There is a purpose and a reason for the body of Christ to be here. These gifts have been given for these specific purposes 
But I want you to notice the next word in your Bible there in verse 13. It's till, until, if you would. These gifts have been given for this purpose until we all come in the unity of the faith. I want you to note here, folks, the potential. The potential. He says that till we all come, till we all, all come what? To the unity of the faith. Not some, not a few, not just the leaders, not just part of the congregation, not just part of the body. The potential is that we all come in the unity of the faith. Now, I want you to know something. There's coming a day when this is going to be fulfilled in regards to the entire body of Christ, which will be together and become visible for the very first time at the rapture when the Lord Jesus Christ comes to call us out. But until that day, the only church is the local church. Until that day, these gifts are given to us as a body that we all might come in the unity of faith, if you would, in the oneness of faith. Faith here is that same word that we began with in the first of this series in contending for the faith. It speaks of the fullness of that faith. It speaks of that faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. It speaks of the revealed body of truth that he has given to us in his word that it comes back to, that only thing that his work is going to be accomplished through. You see, the goal for us, the potential for us as a body through these gifts that he's given to us is unity and oneness in our faith. Lots of people can truly love God. And folks, we need to recognize that lots of people that believe different from us are truly saved and born again and on their way to heaven. Lots of people can be saved and love God and yet not be in the unity of the faith, not be in the oneness of faith. But you see, as a body, God has given us gifts He's given us gifts to this body. And he's given it to us for these specific purposes. He's given it to us for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity, in the oneness of faith. You see, if we are to function as a body, we've got to be together. We've got to be in oneness till we all come in the unity of the faith and, he says, of the knowledge of the Son of God. 
Now, he's not speaking here about the knowledge that is required in salvation, but he's speaking here about a, a deeper knowledge of Christ. That knowing him that can only come through spending time individually and corporately in prayer, in his word, in living in obedience to that word. You see, God wants us together, unified as one body, to truly know him in the deepest possible meaning of that word, to know him. God brings us together as a called-out people, as a body, and he gives us these gifts and the potential for that is unity amongst us and a deeper understanding and knowledge of our Lord, of Jesus Christ himself. Notice he says, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Wow. The potential is not that we can be what the pastor wants us to be, what the deacons want us to be, what some denomination wants us to be. It's not measuring against being what anybody else is out there. He says, till we all come in the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, listen, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God wants us individually, but corporately as a body together, to come into the, to the fullness of Christ. It's the fullness of Christ that should be seen in our lives. Not the fullness of our flesh, not the fullness of all of our good intentions, not the fullness of all of our religion and everything else. The fullness of Christ. That's the potential that we're so filled with Him that He's what people see when they look at us and they see us individually and corporately together as a body. Jesus Christ is the standard for our spiritual maturity. He is the only standard for our spiritual maturity. You see, the potential here is that, yes, we can come together in oneness and unity in the knowledge of the Son of God and to the fullness of Christ, to His standard of what He is. We are, after all, the body of Christ. You find that he carries on in verse 14. He says, he says that we henceforth be no more children. <laughs> you see, he said that he's brought us together for the perfecting, for the maturing, so that we're no more children, spiritual children he's speaking of here, spiritual immaturity, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, 
whereby they lie in wait to deceive. You see, there is a potential for which we are aiming, for which these gifts are here to help us reach. These gifts are there that we can actually be strong enough and mature enough as a body of Christ that will not be tossed all over the place, that will not be carried about by these false doctrines that are just waiting to deceive us. That's a lot of what this whole some 55 sermons now has been about. We must contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Yes, we're looking at the fundamentals of that faith as well as the, the foundations upon which we as a local church are established. Spiritually immature believers not properly grounded in the knowledge of Christ, in His Word, they are susceptible to false doctrines. False doctrines that are being promulgated all around us by deceitful false teachers. Often, ignorantly, Many of them are deceived themselves and actually believe the false doctrines that they're proclaiming. And then ignorance on the part of those that are listening. I don't mean that nationally. Ignorance, not being to this point of maturity that is our potential here, that God has given us these gifts so that we can be mature enough, that we can be strong enough, that these things won't deceive us when they come along. Yes, I give you warnings sometimes from this pulpit. But you find I don't spend a lot of time on the negative about what everybody else is doing wrong. I want you to know the truth. And I believe with all my heart that if you know the truth, you'll recognize the error in the wrong. I don't need to spend all my time wasting my time unless I see a a danger, and I don't mind calling it out and naming it if that's what we need to do. But folks, it's God's Word that's going to make the difference in our lives. And might I add this, and I don't mean it nastily. You can't grow. You can't learn. You can't get what God is wanting to give you through the gifts that He's given to the church if you're not here. We can't learn together. We can't all come when it's only part of us. Rather than being tossed about by every wind of doctrine, he gives us an alternative here. He says in verse 15, but speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth, but there is an alternative. Now, the truth and love must always go hand in hand. 
reproves can be cold and harsh without the love. And folks, don't be fooled. All the love and good intentions and well-meanings in the world can never reach a lost soul, can never help a Christian grow without the truth. It takes the two together. There is never an excuse to waver from the truth, but it must always be spoken in love and compassion, the love and the compassion of Jesus Christ himself. If that's where we are, if that's what we've been grown into and, 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 and built into and grown into through his word, then that speaking of the truth will come forth with the love and the compassion of Christ as well. But speaking the truth in love, listen, may grow up unto him in all things which is the head, even Christ. Wow may grow up into him in all things, into him in all things. Short, simple words. You see, the simple truth is, is that the, the potential that he's speaking of here is the surrender of your will, of your wishes, of your desire, to his will and his leadership into him in all things. Of course, it's only when we, the body, individually and corporately, genuinely yield ourselves to him, which, what does he say here? Which is the head, even Christ. When we genuinely yield ourselves to him, the head, that his truth will genuinely have proper recourse in our lives to do what God is trying to do, not what we're trying to resist. He's the head. And he says, we must grow up into him in all things. That's the potential. That's what God wants. And that's why that he's given these gifts to the body. Notice, as we finish up in verse 16, I want you to notice here the progress. Notice we've seen the potential. Now look at the, look at the progress. He says, from whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. From whom Christ, the head, from whom Christ, 
the whole body. You see, the power that is necessary for producing mature, equipped, strong Christians in churches does not come from our own efforts. It comes from our head, from Him, Jesus Christ Himself. He has given these gifts to the body. And this is the potential that's before us if properly used. But we see here that it ultimately requires every part of the body, every part of the body doing its share for the body. That's when we see here the growth and the strength actually taking place from within. That's the potential. You see, he gives the gifts. Remember, part of that was for the edifying of the body. And as that body is built up, as that body becomes what it's supposed to be, Every part of that body doing its part and working together, it begins to build up itself from within. Through Christ, through His power, that's where it's happening, but it's the Christ through each and every one that is a part of that body and that oneness. That's the potential. And that is exactly what will happen if it's done God's way. You see, we can look around and we can see a lot of apathy in the churches today. We can see a lot of apathy in Christendom as a whole. People just can't be bothered. There's just too many other things that have the priorities in their life and in their churches. Their life is spent doing all these things that please them, not that please the Lord. The churches don't care that souls aren't being saved. The churches don't care that they're not becoming stronger and growing from within. They can just get settled. <laughs> we got our fire insurance. We're going to miss hell one day. We got our ticket to heaven, and that's all that matters. Folks, that's not all that matters. The work of Christ still needs to be carried on. Christ is our head. Regardless of all the apathy in these churches, the potential for the progress of His church, of the body of Christ, yes, even right here at Bethel, it is as real as it's ever been at any time in history. Christ hasn't changed. He is our head. And as He Himself is our head that has given us these spiritual gifts that we as a body have every potential to increase, to be built up, He says here, of itself. The world and all the other churches in the world have absolutely nothing to do with it. Oh, yes. You can help and you can encourage one another. 
but ultimately this body and anybody will be what it is for the same reason that you are what you are. That's because of what is within, not what's without, not what people see. Churches can look all just absolutely straight down the line. But what makes a church, what gives it the potential to truly be built into that body of Christ that it's supposed to be, what's happening within. You see, I could really just leave you with one question this morning. I mean, the Word of God says that we have been given spiritual gifts in the church today. That Jesus Christ himself gave these to his body for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Until we all is that body come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we're not knocked about by all the, the falseness that's around us, but that we might speak the truth in love, that we may grow up into Him in all things. That the whole body working together, everybody doing its part, that the body might increase and begin to edify itself in love from within. That it might grow of itself because, in fact, it is Christ, Christ dwelling in you, Christ dwelling in each of us, Christ doing His work amongst us and in our hearts. You see, that's the gifts, the purpose for them, the potential that's there. I can leave you with one simple question. Where do you want to go with it? <laughs> What do you want to do with it? Because in the end, it's what's going to happen from within you as well. Father, we thank you as we look. Lord, it's exciting to see the potential that is there for your people. Lord, that potential hasn't decreased. But Lord, as we look there today, we recognize and realize with all of our hearts, Lord, that there is a lot of apathy, and a lot of false doctrine and false teachings and much that is going on around us. And, Father, we also realize that as we look at ourselves that we're not foolish enough to think that we are perfect. Or the hardest struggle with the church is that we are all sinners saved by grace. But, Father, I pray that you would help us today as a body be built into what we're supposed to be, be what you would have us to be, to grow up into him in all things, 
Lord, might you take individually and corporately as a body. Make us and use us for your glory as you see fit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.